That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Rose and Bauer Show. If you take a look at our comment section, we've got one from a Barton who says this show should be renamed Rose and Bauer. I, you know, I, um, I think sending uh, emails and text messages to yourself again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am. uh, It is the unshaven Tom Rose, which is unusual, and. The Unshaven Gary Bauer, which is not unusual, welcoming you back to our podcast, which airs a couple of times a week, and you can catch it on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125, every Sunday. Give us a five-star rating. What else? I should have this written down or memorized. Five-star rating, hit the subscribe button, recommend us to friends, enemies, and neutrals. Yes. Uh, I have to apologize, Tom. Uh, people might say, you know, what the heck has happened to Bauer? He sounds like he's in a well going down for the third time. Um, I'm, I'm uh, at a beach community. and uh, Go ahead. Tell uh, us where. Tell us who one of your uh, well, fellow I'm beach... I'm not going to give all the details because I don't want a woke mob outside. No, no, no. House. But you won't have to worry about a woke mob because who else shares your beach? Oh, well, I'm close to Biden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. Biden thanks for joining today. us. Thanks for joining <laughs> us, Gary. If you've got <laughs> any other comments or questions, make sure and email us. Tom Rose, everyone. Um, I want to start and we're obviously going to get into the the Hunter Biden stuff, the Maui stuff, which is just absolutely oh, incredible. Future. Uh, but there was a University of Chicago survey that came out a couple of weeks ago, but it just started making headlines a few days ago that includes some absolutely terrifying information. Of course, the media want to ring the bells over one finding in particular. This was a survey on uh, people who think violence is justified to achieve political ends. Ah, thirty. Yes, which group in America is more open to that than anybody else? By about two and a half to one, thirty million Americans, nine percent of the entire population, believes violence is justified to keep Donald Trump from the presidency. Now, when the word violence justified, let's be honest, that's a euphemism. Thirty million Americans, nine percent of the population believes an assassination, a murder of Donald Trump would be justified to prevent him from becoming president. But media coverage has been focused almost entirely on the data about the three percent who would justify violence to return Trump to the White House. This gets even worse. Not only that, 9% of Democrats strongly agree the use of force is justified from um, 
preventing Trump from becoming president again. And another 7% merely agree. That's 17% of all Democrats think violence is either strongly or very much justified to keep Trump out of the White House. What kind of a country are we becoming when almost one out of five Democrats think violence, i.e. murder, is an appropriate response to Donald Trump? What has happened to our country? Well, Tom, it's a steady diet uh, of propaganda, of uh, demonization, of uh, marginalization. And I, you know, I can't prove it. I think somebody ought to poll it. Uh, I, I think you would find similar results if Trump's name wasn't in the question. I think if you ask the question, uh, it, it would, is violence acceptable to keep um, make America great again, Americans uh, out of power I, or Christian conservatives or you, know, you, you name it. There has been such conditioning of the public that we are Nazis, we are the American Taliban, that he's a neo-fascist, that uh, we're all uh, at war with democracy and uh, our, our extremist court is taking away uh, people's fundamental rights, etc. If you believe all that, well, of course, uh, you, you would say violence is necessary. I, and I, I have to, you know, I don't want violence. I want to be very clear about that. But I'm a little disappointed uh, that the with the evidence of what the left wants to do to America and, and that they demonstrate every day from from literally sexualizing your children beginning in the earliest grades of school getting government teachers to lie to you about a serious issue your child might have. Um, I mean, I could just go on and on and on that only 3% of people on, on our side uh, are, are willing to say, Hey, if, if it takes violence to stop these people, that might be necessary. So you know, all this talk about if there's a civil war, the right will win hands down. I mean, not if we're going to be outnumbered three to one. I mean, he, what mystifies me is that Trump as president is not an hypoth- It's not a hypothetical. Donald Trump was president. He was president for four years. What did he do that was so terrifying, so threatening that almost one out of five Democrats now think it would be justified either strongly or merely to assassinate him, to prevent him from becoming president again. He was president for four full years. There were no wars. There was no inflation. There was economic growth. There was the lowest unemployment ever, a stronger NATO than ever, a standing up to China, which is now bipartisan political consensus, thank heavens. He stood up to Iran. He brought peace to the Middle East, energy independence. The southern border was secure. And you know what? I'm going to leave out the Supreme Court because a lot of people 
Hated those choices because that was very political. I get it. But on the other hand, the benefits of his policies that I cited above were enjoyed, were shared, were experienced by everybody. This isn't some hypothetical, God forbid, uh, Benito Mussolini rising from the ranks of uh, the March on Rome or even worse, Adolf Hitler in the beer hall putsch. This man was president. There were no wars. There was no inflation. That benefited everybody. There was economic growth. That benefited everybody. There was a secure southern border. That benefited everybody. There was in energy independence. The price of gas was less than half of what it is today. Now, I, I, I just don't understand why. Where does this come from? Where do this this fervid uh, almost? Well, it's not almost. It is pathological hatred and fear. What's it based on? Well, Tom, I, I mean, I, I'm hoping in part that you're asking a rhetorical question and, and that you actually do know. But as I said, I mean, a, a significant portion of it is that they've been told by everything they watch on TV, uh, a lot of books they read, movies they go to, classrooms they uh, sit in, uh, neighbors, uh, organizations they belong to. Uh, that uh, people like Trump and anybody like us are evil. Um, look, I, 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 Tom, I had to have armed security at my house uh, all the way back in 1989 because I was taking on the left when I was president of the Family Research Council. The number of death threats uh, I and my family received daily required 24 hour a day security parked in my driveway. Um, so this has been going on for years. Nobody had ever heard the name Donald Trump. Um, you know, I, I can name a lot of other people like Dr. James Dobson during that same period of time. He couldn't get on an airplane without having several men with him. Um, so this has been going on for a long time. But the thing that we did is all the things that you mentioned. The, the, that's the reason they hate him. They don't want a secure border. They are globalists. They are neo-Marxists. A significant percentage of the Democrat Party wants to transform America, to make it a completely different place. A sizable portion of the Democrat Party does not believe there is a God. And if you don't believe there's a God, then you believe the entire nation was built on a lie. In the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, where it says that we have been endowed by that God with certain rights. They don't believe that. They believe rights come from a government they run. And they will dole them out depending on whether you behave yourself or not. I, I mean, look, this this is this gets to the fundamental division in the country. It's not Ike versus Stevenson. It's not Nixon versus Humphrey. 
there's, there's the differences on the margins of who we were as a nation, the meaning of life, what the purpose of existence is. There, this is the division in America today goes to fundamental things. There is no possibility of coexistence when the opposition, meaning them, have this many people that are willing to do whatever it takes to prevail. So if they're willing to kill a candidate Trump, if he uh, gets the nomination and is running again for the presidency, it's outrageous, right, to say they would be willing to cheat in the election. They would never do that. They might want to kill him, but they would never cheat in the election. <laughs> this is the basis of why we know they're cheating in the election. You if know, there's a kill somebody <laughs> to sleep them out of power. Are you not willing to stuff a ballot box? There, there's a there's a Talmudic principle which I'm sure is reflected. Uh, in English law subsequently called Kol V'chomer, which means if you are willing to climb the, the, uh, the analogy, the Talmudic explanation is if you're willing to climb a ladder to the top, how much more willing would you be to climb the ladder to the middle? So if you're prepared <laughs> to murder the president, why on earth would you stop at cheating to prevent the president. If you're going to rob a bank of a million dollars, why wouldn't you steal a soda from a 7-Eleven? And it harkens back, I think, to that great moment in 1964 that you recall, and I don't, for reasons of, for reasons of chronology. Of existence. Ronald Reagan's Time for Choosing speech in which yeah. he famously said, the more the planners plan and the plans fail, the more the planners plan. And this gets us to the Maui fires. You cannot watch a mainstream media channel discuss these fires without some mention of global warming, when in fact it had Actually, you know what? I was about to say it had nothing to do with global warming, but it had a lot to do with global warming. As a matter of fact, it had everything to do with global warming. The their yep. their answer to the incompetent uh, management, Maui County management and the combination of state and federal pressure on utilities on Maui to focus on sustainable energy at the expense of maintaining the infrastructure that existed absolutely led to this catastrophic, horrific, 1,000% preventable fire. The death toll that they're giving us now and I say this not because I have specific knowledge, but I guarantee you, Gary, it is massively, massively greater than they're telling us. There remain 900 people unaccounted for, unaccounted for. And that means, God forbid, likely, perhaps almost certainly dead, remains charred beyond any identification, are being found 
And since they can't identify, they can't affirm or confirm the death of an individual. And the worst part is, God help us, hundreds of children are missing. Hundreds. The irony here, this wasn't gasoline, it wasn't coal, it wasn't natural gas, it was electricity. And the electricity, to an extent, was largely generated by, quote-unquote, sustainable sources. I don't know how well you know Maui, but uh, Maui is too volcanic islands that over the millennia merged and there's a big isthmus a flat area in between the two mountain ranges that separate or two volcanoes rather that separate east maui what's called east maui and west maui where the fires were on top of of uh uh one of the sides of volcanoes of the two volcanoes is this massive massive uh, solar and wind farm, which is fine, but that generates the electricity that is then powered to the power lines that weren't maintained over tens of thousands of areas of of former agricultural lands that were allowed for 50 years to be overrun by invasive, highly flammable species of uh, uh, grasses and it, it was electricity that caused this. While it's 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 using funds to try and address you know the radical left and climate change, rather than shoring up the energy systems that exist, um, the very same people who caused this fire are now telling us it has to do with, gl- with climate change. Like Hawaii never has high winds. I, that Hawaii is an archipelago of magnificent islands in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. This has nothing to do with climate change, and the obsession with it led to this most horrendous, horrendous of fires. I mean, they're, they're, they're finding bodies, Gary, they can't recognize that are not identifiable. And they, they just keep funding these utopian solutions to reach a utopian end that will never exist. And Biden's visit there yesterday was really the piece de la resistance. I just learned that word and the French pronunciation thereof of a man so completely lacking in any human empathy, so completely out of touch, making fun of a search and rescue dog, mocking how, wow, this ground really feels warm. It's going to burn through my tennis shoes. He had to be dragged, kicking and screaming to get out of there. And you've got this media uh, combination, Mark Levin calls it the Praetorian Guard media, where Joe Biden has been completely insulated from any blame whatsoever. Remember Donald yeah, Trump yeah. and the Puerto Rican hurricane, not to mention George Bush and Hurricane Katrina. Biden's getting none of that. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yes, to all of that, Tom, uh, among other things, the confused and befuddled president in an effort to show empathy uh, shared with uh, the, the people he was talking to the incredible kitchen fire he endured in a home uh, 35 years Everything's ago. Everything's about him. Everything yeah, is about him. 
he, he brought it up, you know, he's brought this up before. Oh, it was a roaring inferno, every fire engine, you know. And as usual, people checked it out. And uh, it, there, there's not even it was so inconsequential that there was no record of anything other than minor kitchen fire from some grease in a pan. And uh, this was, of course, something that uh, would show the commonality he had between people that have lost everything they've owned, including their loved ones, uh, et cetera. It, uh, it, it, this, this man, you, you can only imagine what goes on in closed door meetings with heads of states from other countries. Because there's no reason to believe that he would conduct himself any differently in those meetings than he did at the tarmac uh, welcoming home the caskets from uh, the Kabul airport when he famously or infamously stood there uh, regularly checking his watch as if he had some better place to be. Uh, his ham-handedness and lack of empathy to the people in East Palestine, East Palestine, Ohio, uh, his total lack of regard for every community in America that is being inundated with illegal migrants uh, and the implications that has for the schools, the hospitals, the streets, et cetera. He could care less. And then the the, the icing on the cake or the crap on the pile uh, is this trip to Mali, which, you know, in, in retrospect, it, it would have been better if, if he hadn't gone at all on the, the Internet. And of course, this was an island that five days after the fire, he could not remember the name of that place out yep. there, that island, that place. Right. Right. The, the, uh, the all online everywhere. There are these some would say conspiracy theories. Uh, others say legitimate fears like the one you just described that uh, children were sent home from school when the fire started. And that meant those children were fanning out over those communities that would soon be completely engulfed in flames. And uh, the, the, I believe, mayor of the city had a press conference this week and a reporter said to him, uh, what do you have any estimate of the number of children that may have died? And the mayor looks at this guy like daggers with daggers and says, I can end this press conference right now if that's what you would like me to do. I mean, they I think they're sitting on this. I think they're trying to figure out what the uh, strategy is going to be uh, when, when it, this hits the fan. Uh, you know, it's already bad enough, Tom. But if 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 on every other bad decision, they made the worst decision possible with these kids and we find out that a couple hundred kids are, de- are dead. Um, I mean, th- this is the stuff of revolutions. You know, Hawaii is what? 80 percent Democrat. I, I don't know. Is Maui. Uh, is that like a does it there's there even a little conservative leaning there? You've you've spent a good bit of time there. Maui what, what, did have I, Maui did have a uh, Republican mayor for many years, Linda Lingle, who then went on and uh, proved the broken clock is right twice a day analogy by serving one term as governor. But no, it's it is the most Democrat state in the country. And one wonders, look, Gary, I, I, I don't mean to be the grim reaper here, but 
we could have 1,000 people dead. I mean, there could be 1,000 dead. It's been 10 days, and we still have almost 900 people unaccounted for. They're not. See, all- did, did, you, you might know the answer to this, Tom. I mean, I, I'm assuming, and, and our own media does so little to help us get the information we need, right? I would assume that all over that area where there are still places you can broadcast from, that government authorities, state authorities and local authorities are saying, if you were able to get out of Mali and got to relatives or friends and you're hearing this broadcast, please call this 1-800 number and report in to let us know you and your family are okay. You must do that. I mean, as the time passes here, the idea that, you know, oh, well, they just went to other people they knew not far away and they're you know, doubling up in houses. I mean, this is a typical pattern when there's a disaster. You know, initially the missing figures are, are, are horrendous. And then you find out that it's this phenomenon that I was discussing. People have an aunt somewhere, an uncle. They've got some money, maybe. They go to a hotel. They're living in the hotel room. But then within a few days, it clarifies. And you, you get, you know, uh, well, we're relieved to know. But this is several weeks now, and the figure really isn't going down. No, it's not going down. And you got to remember, it's summertime, which is, quote unquote, off season. The city of Lahaina, which I know well, has about 13,000 permanent residents. If these numbers are correct, 7% of the city is dead. 7% of the city of Lahaina is dead. And the mayor of Maui, calls West Maui, quote-unquote, a media-free zone. No, I'm sorry. Maui is part of the state of Hawaii, which is the United States of America. You do not uh, give up your First Amendment rights when you enter into a disaster zone. And they're trying to keep media out. The media largely has been obliging because... Uh, to cover this story fully to the extent that it deserves might implicate Democrats, might implicate Joe Biden, might implicate this 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 obsessive fixation with, quote unquote, renewable energy. Uh, it's not beyond the realm of possibility that we could find so that that these fires were triggered by jolts or shots um uh, in the electrical grid that are caused by renewable energy sources that are not consistent. When you have baseline power from coal or nuclear or natural gas, there's a baseline. the surges, right? right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And now it's just. Uh, uh, this could be one of the, and perhaps already is, the, one of the greatest natural, excuse me, man-made disasters in American history. You're listening to the Bower and Rose Show right here on the Bower and Rose Podcast and Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way. Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. 
So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome back, everybody. Tom Rose, Gary Bauer with you, the Bauer and Rose podcast. You can get us wherever you get your podcasts. We're hosted by our good friend John Solomon at JustTheNews.com. Well, <laughs> a lot of folks are saying that now the media is beginning to catch on to the Joe Biden scandal. Of course, I'm not referring it to, as the Hunter Biden scandal because it, frankly, is a Joe Biden scandal. Uh, the New York Times... Uh, Politico and even the Washington Post now are reporting that uh, Hunter Biden's lawyers are pressuring the Department of Justice to prosecute uh, not Hunter Biden, uh, but the dedicated career professionals who put their careers on the line, i.e. the whistleblowers. And the story develops that the only reason David Weiss, the so-called special prosecutor appointed by Merrick Garland to, quote unquote, investigate Hunter Biden, who's been, by the way, investigating Hunter Biden on tax and gun charges for five years without bringing charges, the only reason... There was a plea deal at all, which was a total sweetheart deal. The only reason any charges were filed against Hunter Biden, it was because of the whistleblowers. He wouldn't even have had to worry, Hunter that is, about a sweetheart plea deal if it wasn't for these two whistleblowers. Now Hunter's lawyers want them prosecuted. The only reason for this worthless plea deal in the first place was to save face after the whistleblowers went public with their uh, FD-1023 forms, which are sworn affidavits. Now, we've gone from lionizing whistleblowers when they're Democrats to prosecuting them and attempting to put them in jail when they go after a Democrat. I, I'm amazed, Tom, at uh, you go back a few weeks ago, the word whistleblower could by itself could no longer be found in any news article or news broadcast. It was always preceded by the words so-called whistleblower or whistleblower. And then the person, the commentator would make the quotation marks, hashtag uh, marks around the word as if uh, like they're really whistleblowers. You know, they're just mega people acting like they're whistleblowers. Uh, yeah, you're you're right. I mean, during the Trump administration, yeah, anywhere anybody from a janitor to, you know, somebody that claimed that uh, they had been with Trump in uh, in a lady's room in 1986 and he looked at her sideways, uh, were all taken as speaking 100 uh, percent truth. Uh, the most honest person that ever worked uh, walked the face of the earth. We need a full congressional investigation now with whistleblowers uncovering the machinations of the Hunter crime family. Not only are they not really whistleblowers, they're going to get their butts thrown in jail for daring to speak up. It, it <laughs> Biden, of course, before he uh, was reminded or informed uh, that there was an island called Maui and that it was part of the United States of America, made comments last week in the White House that <laughs> It's fair to say we're just the most amazing of all. He said that um, 
And this is a direct quote. He's the greatest leader since Moses. Direct quote, name me a single objective we've ever set out to accomplish that we failed. Name me one in all our history. Not one. Now, he was angry. Wasn't very, he? very. Uh, pretty good, pretty good uh, impersonation there, Tom. Well, he I'm, does this periodically where he, he has these weird, contrived bouts of anger where he raises his voice. I think he's supposed to. He thinks that, that this just shows how vital he is and how animated and energetic he is. So there's a there's a couple of purposes going on here. But what it comes across as is the, you know, crazy Aunt Helen that's uh, coming for Thanksgiving. And you never know when she's going to do an end, you know, an outburst in the middle of Thanksgiving. Day. Uh, he's Mr. Wilson from Dennis the Menace. It there might you go. It might be fair to say that his policies have been successfully enacted. But that's kind of like saying Jack Kervorkian was a huge success because he successfully killed every patient. I mean, two summers ago, and we're coming up on this on this unfortunate anniversary. Two summers ago, Biden wanted to celebrate the 20th anniversary of 9-11 by yanking out every single American from Afghanistan. Well, not only did he fail to get every American out, Hundreds, maybe even thousands remain. We don't know because they won't tell us and the media doesn't care. But what he gave us was the greatest military humiliation, perhaps in history, certainly since uh, the Vietnam debacle in 1975. American deterrence was shattered globally. China, Russia, Iran, North Korea almost immediately upped their aggressions. Biden walked away from the world's most expensive embassy building. He walked away from the Bagram Air Base, one of the most modern state-of-the-art military bases in the world, strategically located um, close to both China and Russia. Again, we don't know a lot because the Pentagon doesn't tell us and the media doesn't ask, but Biden left, who knows, I've heard all kinds of numbers, $50 billion in advanced weaponry and supplies that are now for sale to any terrorist who wants to kill Americans, some of which have even been reported in Russian units fighting Ukrainians supplied with our own weapons. Then he, then Biden says he follows this up by, he, he, you know, I'm not going to get too excited if uh, Putin stages a minor invasion. Um, and then Putin, of course, concludes rather wisely that either Biden didn't care or wouldn't do a damn thing about another Russian invasion. And that, Gary, was half a million deaths later and a steady drawdown of our munitions and weapon stocks and a brand new China, Russia, Iran, North Korea axis. Yeah, you know, Tom, when... Uh uh, General Milley, uh, I, I refer to him as thoroughly modern Milley. Uh, when General Milley told then President Trump that um, if we uh, end up withdrawing uh, from Afghanistan, uh, we will leave the equipment there. Uh, something that that uh, President Trump did not want to hear and did not think was a good idea. But uh, as you would imagine, maybe you even heard it said, uh, Trump uh, said later that I knew he was a stupid SOB the first time he told me it was a good idea to leave behind 
all that taxpayer-funded, bought and built uh, weaponry in Afghanistan so that our enemies could use us. Uh, th- I mean, well, this, guess guess where modern kind of Millie is today. Guess what position modern Millie holds today. The oh, same one. Right. Yes, of course. Uh, th- yeah, th- th- this is the kind of stuff, Tom, that undermines but when you get when you see these polls and and some unbelievable number, uh, you know, 75 percent, 77 percent of the country uh, say that we're headed in the wrong direction. It's this kind of stuff that contributes to that uh, that figure that, you, you know, that America just the American seldom did things as stupid as we do today. We have more technology. We have more ability to monitor communications and, you know, do all kinds of things. And we have a serious debate about whether we should leave weapons behind in a country that's going to be basically taken over by the Taliban that has repeatedly said it wants us all dead. So <laughs> what, what are you thinking? I, I remember, you know, and it, and it, and it goes so deeply, Tom, when, when, uh, uh, when, when all those people were running toward the aircraft at the Kabul, Kabul aircraft at the airport, the, 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 the insult, the injury and all that was, for the most part, those were people that had not been cleared. The people that were, were translators and things like that that risked their lives and the lives of their families – they were afraid to try to get to the airport. There were no arrangements that had been made to get them through dangerous streets to the place they would need to be. So the people you see in many cases were people that had nothing to do with the U.S. war effort. And they got on the planes because nobody was doing much checking at that point. And I remember the lady that at Fox that covers uh, the Pentagon she asked Millie, she said, uh, uh, there's some concerns, particularly on the right, that uh, uh, some of these people that uh, got on the planes and got airlifted out and are now uh, being deposited on U.S. military bases in different places about who exactly they are. And thoroughly modern Millie said, Oh, I uh, I have complete confidence in uh, the Department of Homeland Security and uh, CIA and uh, FBI and others to do all the clearances that are needed to make sure they're fine, upstanding people. And uh, and of course, this was the big news on Fox. Fox News has been assured by Milley that he believes the CIA and, uh, and, and you know, 90 percent of Fox's audience is sitting here going, where are you people paying attention at all? You're telling your audience we should tr- we should trust the FBI, the CIA, Homeland Security to make sure that all the people pouring in are, are going to be fine and we don't even do it at our southern border, let alone at an airport in Kabul in the middle of a war. It's it's an excellent argument for term limits for big media correspondent beats. Jennifer Griffin has been at the Pentagon for 20 years. She's become really nothing but a shill for the Pentagon. She's been there so long. She has so many sources, so many good friends that she needs to placate and protect. When you're there that long, you become part of the problem. 
Yeah, that exactly right, Tom. And uh, you, you know, we've talked before about the Inspector General at the, the the Justice Department, FBI, who did an investigation to, to determine uh, what went wrong and some of the previous investigations being done at the FBI. And one of the great concerns was uh, that that stuff was being leaked out, uh, attacking Trump, trying to link him to Russian collusion. And in it, you know, it was done regularly. Some of it, most of it, was not true. Uh, there were other true things. They didn't have anything to do with collusion, but things that were then twisted to make it look suspicious or whatever. And the inspector general, when he issued his report, said, um, "I have not been able to get to the bottom of those leaks. What I found was." There was such an atmosphere or culture at the FBI that regularly involved officials at the agency calling the media to plant stories that they thought was in their interest to see in print that it was virtually impossible to sort it all out. Now, you know who can't? plant a story that would help people get to the truth. Somebody living in Maui, <laughs> somebody living in East Palestine, Ohio, somebody living near a migrant camp that wasn't there yesterday, but this morning they went to their business and there were suddenly 2000 people sleep sleeping on the street outside their pizzeria. It's the average American that can't, have any confidence that somebody can get a story about their plight. Those spaces for leaks are all taking, taken up by the people who run the country and are regularly screwing all those average people. You know, it's it's funny. Democrats always argue that we have to have bigger government, more government to be responsive. And what happens with any big institution, whether it's government or a corporation or Gary Bauer Global Enterprises, the bigger you get, the more incompetent you become. I heard the emergency management guy out on Maui uh, explain why the tsunami sirens, and that's what they're called out there, were not were not sounded. These are these are wasn't a tsunami, right? <laughs> well, I mean, but his argument was so. Uh, this is why we're run by idiots, and this is why it, when we use the term deep state, we're talking about something nefarious. But you can also use the term deep state to describe utter total incompetence. His argument was that. These tsunami sirens, uh, when they're when they're blared, people are conditioned to run what's called Malka up the mountain. Now, do you really think that if the sirens were blaring and people ran out of their homes and saw flames coming toward them, they would run toward them because it's up the mountain? I mean, how stupid, how idiotic, how infantile, how juvenile would somebody in a position like that have to be to make a call that has subsequently resulted in the deaths, God forbid, of up to 1,000 people? When you walk yeah. out of a building and you see fire coming toward you and you hear a siren, is your instinct to run into the fire? 
Maybe he was worried about his own staff doing that. I mean, Tom, I, I have not heard that explanation. I uh, The only thing I heard was him saying, well, it wasn't a tsunami so I made the right decision. <laughs> which, is, which is idiotic enough. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the, it ends up that the deep state is filled with a lot of shallow people, right? Yeah, I mean, very well just, said. Yeah. The, the, uh, one of the favorite uh, little uh, gifts or uh, thematic things that have been that, that, that has gone on forever on television. You'll see them on online. It's the old uh, – a uh, little gambit where you just grab a camera and a microphone. You go out on every street in America. You stop uh, normal-looking people. You ask them normal questions, and they have absolutely no idea what the heck, heck you're talking about. I saw one the other day. A guy goes up to this fairly attractive lady. She, When she spoke, I mean, the words were English, and they, they were arranged in the right order. Uh, he said um, – uh, do can you tell me where uh, Mount Rushmore is? And uh, she looked, kind of tilted her head. Uh, Mount Rushmore. I uh, no, I, I can't. I, uh, I I was never very good at geography. <laughs> and the guy goes, uh, are, "Are you an American?" Of course, I'm an American. But you don't know where Mount Rushmore is. No, I don't. Uh, and it was just a series of these questions, and including one where he goes up to a guy and he says, uh, uh, we're just uh, out here today getting, uh, getting people's reactions about the tragic news of the death this morning of uh, uh, former President uh, John F. Kennedy, who died at the age of 87. And uh, was just wondering if uh, you had anything you wanted to offer. Oh, I uh, – I was heartbroken. I, I think he uh, was one of the best presidents we ever had. Uh, this is a tragic loss. And, uh, I, you know, I, I, you know, God bless him. And uh, so how did you find out about his death? You know, I got up this morning like I always do and turned on the news. And like everybody else, I, I heard the story. I mean, the guy was he was ready to lie however much he had to lie because he obviously had missed the news. That former President John F. Kennedy had died that morning. Uh, you know what somebody ought to do, Tom, is figure out a way to get into some of these government agencies and not ask, not ask average people in the street. Just ask average bureaucrats running our country some common sense questions. I bet they would make the rest of us look brilliant. Well, I, I, and and this, of course, is exactly what they want. It's what they have done to our public education system. By the way, private schools are even worse in terms of wokeism. They control every leading institution in the country. The Democrats are doing whatever they can, and they're making great progress in ensuring that elections are rigged. They blame, you know fraud inducing techniques they sabotage elections they accuse anyone who points out <clears throat> that they're sabotaging elections as being election deniers or racists or white supporters they do what they can to eliminate voter id laws they call those racist they eliminate signature and date requirements anyone who poses that is a racist they massively print and send out to everyone absentee ballots universal mail-in voting um 
automatic voter registration, universal mail-in voting, uh, drop boxes, vote harvesting, early voting. They extend the voting deadlines. You can vote after the election is over. You can vote two months before it happens. In in some localities like New York City and I think out in San Francisco, they actually encourage illegal aliens to vote in local elections. They, they, they give driver's licenses to illegals. The objective of all of this is exactly the same. They want to make sure that fraud is made legal so that it becomes impossible if not extremely difficult to prove quote-unquote fraud, because any attempt to uncover fraud is white supremacist, racialist, you know, uh, neo-Nazi, white nationalisms, or you are just an election denier. Yeah, you know, Tom, we've talked about this before. I'm really worried about this. I mean, the cheating itself is bad enough. Uh, But in addition to that... um, the, the, the knowledge of the cheating, and, and it, it, there's just no question about it. it. There's all kinds of things. I, when, I, when I see the, uh, Governor Kemp of uh, Georgia say uh, there was no cheating in the election in Georgia, when I have seen with my own eyes multiple people on videotape in the state of Georgia going to drop boxes where you were only allowed to put in a couple of votes, your own and your spouse, or maybe a mother that was uh, isolated in a nursing home or or whatever. And what you saw was at two and three and four o'clock in the morning, people pulling up and dropping dozens and dozens of ballots into these drop boxes. And the Republican governor of Georgia that some are talking about as a possible presidential candidate goes out there and says the one thing that the Democrat Party need Republican sellouts to say so they can isolate and make look anti-democratic those Republicans courageously fighting against the voter fraud, which has been going on, my friends, forever. I grew up in a city controlled by the Democrats. Yeah, but Gary, that was nothing. That was nothing compared to what's happening now on a on an orchestrated, uh, nationally coordinated effort. It, I, you know, no offense. I don't mean to disparage or mock Newport, Kentucky's uh, voting irregularities back in the 1960s. But you guys were pikers compared to this. No, no question about it. I mean, and we're, you know, we're talking about the kind of thing I described with the drop boxes, but there's even a more pronounced so big. That's the secret of hiding it, right? There's this cheating going on by the manipulation of uh, social media, uh, big tech companies, uh, gazillionaires investing money to make sure elections run smoothly. And 80 to 90 percent of the funds, it pours into Democrat urban areas while a pittance just for appearances goes to rural areas where more conservative people would be voting. And what we're witnessing right now with you know four different Democrat cities with Democrat prosecutors 
attempting to determine the outcome of the election by indictment after indictment after indictment of Donald Trump. And for those who say, well, I know that's really bad, but look, it's there. It's a fact. We've just got to you know, acquiesce to it. He should he should drop out or step down and we ought to nominate somebody else. They don't get it. Because once we affirm that this tactic will work, there will never be another Republican again that is not subjective. Everything they say is a lie. The mantra about protecting democracy is just subterfuge. What they really mean is protecting Democrats, protecting their plan for one party control. Bill Clinton wasn't indicted. Hillary Clinton wasn't indicted. Joe Biden hasn't been indicted. Both without requiring any novel legal theories at all. And what we say now, what we see now is not limited, as you just pointed out, to Trump. This will happen every time a conservative comes close to winning an election. Now, we're just a couple of uh, days away and we got to get into it just because actually it's tomorrow. Um, the first Republican debate in Des Moines thoughts. Of course, Donald Trump isn't going to be there. If I were his campaign advisor, I would tell him absolutely don't go. If you have a 50 point lead, you don't show up and give your seven dwarfs or whoever uh, else is competing against him on that stage. I I don't like these multi-forum uh, multi-candidate debates because they end up, particularly those that are moderated, you know, Brett Baer is going to moderate. I mean, what, you know, what tough questions is Brett Baer going to ask? I'm afraid well, if it- Trump not there. There won't be any. <laughs> I mean, if Trump was there, Brett Baer would have answered. So they some tough questions. Right, right. Other than questions about where do you want to cooperate with Democrats and what Democrat initiatives uh, do you think are are uh, uh, subject to uh, Republican consideration? What's going to happen tomorrow night? Uh, good question, Tom. I mean, I, uh, I I lack the same enthusiasm that you lack about this. I I'm not expecting anything dramatic. Um uh, uh, I, you, you know, I, there was a leaked memo from the DeSantis campaign. Uh, I don't know whether it was accurate or not. I don't believe they ever denied its accuracy, but uh, uh, the, his staff was telling him that he ought to uh, aggressively defend Trump uh, from the attacks by Chris Christie, which I thought was really uh, interesting advice. Uh, that indicated that they understand if for some reason Trump doesn't get the nomination, the nomination will be worthless unless you can somehow get Trump's voters. I mean, let's so let, I was I was just going to say, let's let, let's be honest tomorrow night. Um, I know the Reds are out west. Like, I think they're in Arizona or playing the Dodgers or whatever. What are you going to watch? Well, I'll watch it just because I, I want to be able to hold my own on the next Fire and Rose show. You mean you mean the Reds game? Yes, right. <laughs> you know, I know how much you love the Reds. And, uh, <laughs> Actually, I, th- I think it's a day. I think they're. I can't. Remember. Isn't it a day game? Anyway, whatever. Go ahead. Yeah, I interrupted. Anyway, Tom, did you notice that in Los Angeles, where a major sports franchise not that many months ago thought it was really a great idea to honor uh, a group of uh, drag queens mocking uh, Christianity uh, and uh, that 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 stadium would literally became uh, the the castle in the middle of a boat 
It was completely surrounded by water. And just for good measure, in case uh, uh, the big guy hadn't gotten their attention yet, uh, an earthquake hit Los Angeles right in the middle of of Tropical Storm Hillary. There are so many analogies one can make in all of this. And the damage, uh, of course, from Hurricane Hillary, we're still counting it up, but apparently it's destroyed 33,000 emails. (laughs) That is a great line, Tom. Uh, yeah, I, and, and of course that whole thing, right, was global warming again. They got, I think they got three inches of rain in Los Angeles. Now I know that's unusual, but it's not Armageddon. And you know, Fox plays into this just like everybody else. Oh, of course. Yeah, it was unusual, but it's not unusual for hurricanes to hit Baja, California. And, uh, I mean, it's not as, as, as common as the, the East Coast. And tropical storms, but there are there are tropical like storms that go across Mexico and Baja California and and, and end up coming into the uh, Gulf of Mexico where they re-strengthen and then go up the east coast of the United States. It's called the weather. Yeah, it's called the weather. And we are we, you know, whether or not we should continue this podcast. (laughs) We are out of time. Yes, we're out of time. And as usual. I know we entertained each other, and that's all that counts. (laughs) (laughs) Have a great couple of days. We'll talk to you after the debate later in the week. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Give me a five-star rating anyway, and uh, recommend us to your friends. Absolutely. Have a good week, folks. You too. God bless. 